Hi, uh, this is Herb Kressel, and uh, this morning I'm joined uh, by Dr. David uh, Gutman, who is an assistant professor in the Department of Bioinformatics at Emory University. And Dr. Gutman, along with a uh, large cast of uh, co-authors, has written a very, very intriguing article entitled Magnetic Resonance Imaging Predictors of Molecular Profile and Survival, a Multi-Institutional Study of the Glioblastoma Dataset. Welcome, Dr. Gutman. I'm glad to be here. Now, why did you and your colleagues uh, do the study? What were you actually hoping to find out? So this study actually represents um, probably two or three years of research and really weekly conference calls by a collection of you know the tw- uh, 27 or so authors. Basically, we've been trying to generate a standardized vocabulary so that when radiologists look at GBM and try to do research on glioblastomas or gliomas, they basically have the same language so that when radiologist from Stanford says this is a contrast-enhancing legion with certain type of margins that's actually validated and it means something not only at Stanford but basically can be replicated across the country so we can you know move beyond studies of 20 or 30 patients to studies of hundreds of patients to really get the most bang for the buck from the data and so this was to validate basically to validate some of the earlier features and see if they mean anything Can can we get anything out of it Okay, uh, but your study also uh, utilized the Cancer Genome Atlas. Uh, what exactly is that, and why did you all use it, use this? Uh, so the Cancer Genome Atlas is a very um, ambitious program sponsored by the NCI. Uh, they, they're now on about 23 tumor types, and the, the basis of the project is that they are deeply, deeply characterizing basically pieces of tissue and, you know, from... 500 or so patients per cancer type, and they spent, I don't know the exact number, but it was up to $100,000 on every sort of genomics platform that existed at the time or is existing. They have mRNA, cDNA, sequencing, et cetera, et cetera, and so we have this incredible genetic database to to work from, and the, the data set that we've been working from is there was a I think we're up to about 250, but at the time of the study, we had radiology images from 100 of the patients that were included in the GBM data set. So it really presented really an unparalleled effort where you could have essentially both genetics, radiology, pathology, clinical data, the whole commish. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what exactly did you do? Okay, so um, in the in this specific study, what we did, so the... We'll talk about the Vasari feature set a little bit later, but what, what we first focused on is we looked at four four cardinal features, which was which basically described described the properties of the tumor. So we looked at the contrast enhancing volume, the non contrast enhancing tumor volume, the um, percent necrosis, and, and I'm, I'm 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 counting wrong percent necrosis, contrast enhancing, non contrast enhancing, and edema. So we looked okay. at those four features and we looked across radiologists. So we had one of the really kind of gets underplayed in the article, but this has been a huge effort where we actually had three independent raters from different institutions manually go through these these imaging sets and you know basically do their best guess in, in terms of estimating these various mm-hmm. various tumor compartments. Um, and then there's also we also measured the um, largest cross-sectional area on a on the um, on an axial plane. So, okay. and then we. 
part of what, what we wound up using for this analysis is we used the, the consensus agreement, which was the most consistent observation made by the raters. Okay. And so it's a it's really a huge amount of work, even to get for, even for these eighty or so patients. It represents two hundred and forty to two hundred and fifty individual reads by multiple raters across the country, looking at the images, et cetera, et cetera. And so wow. we wanted to then use that for science. Okay. And then how did you choose those specific four variables as the cardinal variables? Um, so part the, there's 30 variables that are included in the entire Vasari feature set, but right. the, the four of these are, um, four of these are really related to the tumor volume itself. And one of my interests long term is actually do some of this computationally and measuring those four components I see. using a computer is a lot easier than some of the stuff in terms of the, we get some of the properties related to, you know, is it a fuzzy border or is it a thick border? Some right. of it's related to tumor location. Those things were not as amenable to the type of subsequent work that I plan on doing anyway. And also, the other features are actually, we have another manuscript that we're just about ready to submit where we're actually looking at all 30 features with okay. more patients. So I didn't, basically it was a powers number, you know, we had okay. four was more conducive to that. Right. And then you analyze a number of specific gene expression patterns uh, in relation to the imaging features. And how did you choose the specific uh, gene expression patterns that you actually wound up analyzing? Okay, so the gene expression pattern is actually, um, we use what's called, quote-unquote, the Verhat classification, which was, which were basically the four molecular genotypes that came out of the the original TCGA-GBM publication. So the, these four... These are essentially the ones that have been bandied about now as they're not necessarily the standard, but they they were published I think okay. five, four or five years ago. And that's just kind of the, what everyone uses. And you also uh, did something called a copy number analysis. What actually is that, and what does it tell you? So the copy copy number analysis. One of the again one of the things that's interesting about the TCGA is they measured everything. So what a copy number alteration means is you can have a we'll use EGFR, which is um, kind of an important target in GBM. You can have a normal, aka non-mutated EGFR gene, but because of, you know, the way cancer works, essentially the normal EGFR gene is essentially copied 50,000, well, it's probably hundreds of times throughout the genome. So even though it's not mutated, what winds up happening is EGFR gets overexpressed. You make lots of it because of copy number variation. I see. Okay. And then uh, can you highlight the key findings uh, that your group uh, reported in the article? Yes. So one of the things, so we we did, the first thing we basically did is just, I'll say, I, I looked at the question, does the radiology data have any value in terms of predicting outcome over simply age, Karnofsky's Karnofsky performance scale and gender, which have right. been known for many years to be important. And basically, if we add that, if we added um, imaging variables to our model, we did a better job of predicting outcome than simply the clinical data alone. And then that was sort of the first part of the analysis. And then what we subsequently did is, um, I'll say this is preliminary because, you know, as we get more numbers, we'll have more power to, to, to to make kind of more definitive conclusions. But basically, one of the things we can also do is, and this is one of my main interests, is do tumors with different genetics, quote-unquote, look different? Right. And so we have this proneural, mesenchymal, classical, and classical, mesenchymal, neural, and proneural molecular genotypes. The question is, we can basically look and see is, do any of the imaging features seem to be enriched 
You know, is it yeah. more likely that you have a lot of contrast enhancement if you're, if you're a quote-unquote proneural type or if you're a mesenchymal type? Mm -hmm. And the answer is it looks like there is some enrichment. For example, like I'm looking at the chart right now, but the contrast-enhancing contrast tumor, excuse me, was more likely in proneural – this is sorry, I don't repeat myself. It gets a little – keeping the greater or less than becomes a little complicated. <laughs> yes. Proneural tumors were more likely to have – only a little bit of contrast enhancing tumor. <laughs> okay. So again, you know, the, and so and uh, uh, mesenchymal tumors were more likely to be um, to show a large non-enhancing tumor component. Okay. So again, without getting away from the uh, my, the wordplay, essentially the idea is there seems to at least be an enrichment of imaging features in certain molecularly defined tumors. And again, the idea, that to me is the important thing, is there's something that we can look at that basically keys at the genetics. And actually another point I want to mention as well, and this is really one of the powers of radiology, the way all of the, the cancer genome and pretty much all genomics is done is you take a very small piece of tumor that comes from somewhere right. within the sample and you run that on your genetics platform of interest. So, to the best of my knowledge, the only way to actually characterize the macro environment of the tumor itself is by radiology. I mean, right. you look at the whole thing. And so I think downplay, you know, that makes radiology critical. And one of the, I mentioned this earlier, but one of the interesting things is the, the data set we used that was available from the Cancer Imaging Archive wasn't really part of the original TCGA data collection. Mm -hmm. So some of the some of the contributors to this article um, at the Cancer Imaging Program actually like basically hunted down the source sites for TCGA and essentially asked, "Can you please send us the radiology okay. data? We think it's important." I see. So uh, I noted that the uh, you looked at the inter-observer reliability for the cardinal features that you analyzed. And most of them were moderate or moderate to good. And is moderate good enough? Do you think that a computer-derived feature set would be better or worse than a radiologist-derived feature set when doing this sort of analysis? So, so sh short answer to that is I think it depends on the feature. So for the four features that I happen to choose, I, my personal bias is I think a computer can probably do a better job of extracting the edema as long as a radiologist double checks the okay. initial annotation and markup. Whereas in the entire Vasari feature set, we have a lot of features that I think a computer is going to do a ver fairly bad job on. Like we talk about calvarial invasion, we talk about some specifics of the brainstem, even some of the anatomy. The, the you know these tumors are so giant and everything's so distorted that uh -huh. things like does it cross the midline? I have a feeling the computer's going to do a bad job at that. I don't have any data on that yet, but I think they're basically the uh, hybrid of computer and non-computer markup is is really what you're going to need. And actually, our our working group is that's sort of what we're working on now. Okay. Now, one of the fi key findings in your article was that size, particularly. Uh, the greatest uh, longitudinal, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, the proportion of enhancing tumor were associated with poor uh, survival. Do you think that's surprising? I mean, on an empirical basis, it's not surprising to me. And then of the features not associated with survival, do you think you had enough statistical power to actually ex exclude an association if one existed uh, using the size of data uh, set that you used? 
Yeah, so, so I'd want to point out, you know, contrast enhance, contrast enhancing volume or area or however it's been defined has been previously shown to be associated with poor outcomes. So that's not particularly novel. We, mm -hmm. um, we have a fairly large data set, but still that's been shown. And also tumor volume. Actually, I don't have all the literature in front of me, but sometimes tumor size is shown to be predictive and sometimes it's not. And I, and I think, again, one of the things that's interesting about the data set is it gets com complicated. It depends where the tumor is. Sometimes you can do a, a better a gross tumor. You know, you can take the whole thing out. Sometimes you can't. But one of the features, and I actually I think we mentioned this in the discussion, necrosis or the volume of necrosis has also been associated to, with poor outcome. And that mm -hmm. actually didn't pop out in our analysis. I, I think that's really a power issue. I think we're, I think this study had 70 or, I think we had 79 subjects where we had volumetric data. Uh, well, I haven't done the stat yet, but we're up to about 120 and I, okay. I, I think necrosis is popping out as, as predictive. Okay. And then, uh, in the discussion, you, Describe that you think the approach that you're using is particularly powerful, uh, I guess, uh, for uh, identifying uh, important biomarkers. Uh, and do you think that we'll ever get a sufficient database that will incorporate the ever-changing array of hot imaging techniques uh, <laughs> against the uh, the genomic patterns? Do you think that the bang is actually worth the buck that we spend on getting uh, this type of study done? Yeah, so, so bearing in mind my obvious bias since I've been on a conference call for three years every <laughs> Monday and now Wednesday with the working group, I obviously think it's worth it. I think you know, this is got a, this is sort of a multi-tiered project. I think the first thing that really Adam Flanders has really led is just development of a standard feature set and agreement across different right. people from different institutions. So ideally, you know, if you want to start doing a meta-analysis, Stanford does their 50, Harvard does their 50, MD Anderson does their 50 patients, you know, to really get the numbers you need, basically people have to be looking at the same thing and I describing see. the same thing. That's a good point. The, the other very important aspect of this is the cancer imaging archive right now it has about I think there's 240 sets of imaging data from the glioma from of GBM patients that were included in TCGA. One of the things that's that's been nice about this project and really working with my colleagues at the cancer imaging program I'll mention it Carl Jaffe Justin Justin Kirby and John Fryman is there's actually the NCI now has an infrastructure to collect organize and most importantly anonymize this data so. One of the big challenges in any of these studies is really getting the data. Right. Uh, well, looking at the data is also tedious, but I mean, just simply getting hundreds of MRI, GBM data sets with clinical data through an IRB or whatever process <laughs> is challenging, yeah. I would argue. And, and then the technology to get everything anonymized and make sure it's really, really anonymized. I mean, that whole infrastructure is really being developed quite well, and, you know, that's, that's what the TCIA is which TCIA does, basically. Good. Uh, one last question. Uh, how can others actually get involved? Uh, who can use uh, the uh, TCGA data? And uh, is it feasible that a group of four or five people in one institution can actually get a data set and make a contribution? Oh, yeah, so absolutely. So one the... The TCGA in general, essentially every piece of data has been made available publicly on their website. So if you if you um, just Google TCGA space NCI, it should probably bring you to the portal. And also Memorial Sloan Kettering has something called C Bioportal, which okay. also is sort of an easier way 
kind of a more user-friendly way to access some of the high-level data. Now, the only exception to that is some of the sequencing data, some of the deep sequencing data, you have to use a data use agreement, but almost everything else you can basically just go and download. And actually, for this radiology group, um, the the keyword is the cancer imaging archive, or it's actually thecancerimagingarchive.net. You have to register, but basically all of the GBM data can just be freely downloaded. Right. Um, And they also have data from breast, I believe they have kidney, they have CT images from lung. I mean, there's, I don't know the current number of scans, but there's a lot of freely available data now. Great. Well, Dr. Gutman, I really uh, uh, was intrigued by uh, the study that you and your uh, co-authors put forward. I think it's a new horizon for imaging research, and I really want to thank you for uh, sharing your insights with us uh, today. Yeah. And I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. Thank you. Okay, thank you.